We're back, Empires of the Future, and I'm back here with my friend Denton. Yep, it's good to be back. It's been a long time since we've been together here in this upper room recording this podcast. I've missed it. How have you been, Jackson? Doing very well, and in fact, we are officially counting this as season four. Now, we're on a Are new we really? season, yeah. Oh, you, man. You, uh... I overslept into the next season. <laughs> you wow. certainly did. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, I don't, we don't really have um, a good reason, or at least I don't, other than just been really busy with work and everything. Yeah, um, and I mean, um, that last, July is a particularly busy month. I know you mm. uh, took some vacation there. Uh, honestly, there weren't a lot of articles that were just jumping out at us either, and so it was an easy time to really just take, I think we've had six weeks off now, and now we're in a new school year. You have a child in pre-K. Yeah. I have a, a, a second grader and a kindergartner, and uh, I, I ran into you after drop-off this yeah. morning. That's yeah, kind of fun. We're not recording the podcast as much, but we're seeing each other at uh, school drop off. That's yeah. kind of fun. But yeah, it's good to be back. Good to be um, back here with you. Um, yeah, some interesting things to talk about. In the time we haven't been recording, uh, you have sent me a couple, I think, really interesting articles and things to look at. And, uh, and we're going to talk about one of those articles today from the Institute for Family Studies. So really interesting subject matter today and important having to do with families and with marriage and 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 with relationships uh something that yeah is just a in our culture today is an ever-present need uh, to talk about these kinds of things and i think honestly people want some truth they want some help they want some guidance on a lot of these things but what i think oftentimes is the case that when the guidance comes it's like well that doesn't really jive with what i want <laughs> you know like i want the guidance but i want the guidance to be what I want, uh, but we see some research today that I think is insightful at the very least. Right, and um, kind of a preview of where we're going today. It's actually really exciting to me as a guy who has been now uh, out of the dating market uh, for uh, 16 years. Uh, you don't know exactly how these things are sorting themselves out, and so the things that we're going to talk about today is um, who initiates relationships, what that means, what sorts of meetings are yielding happiness as reported uh, by a bunch of people in this study. Um, we're talking about some age-old norms. Have those things changed? How, do people expect that they have changed? How are people navigating things like uh expectation of like, okay, does a, does a man ask a woman? Does a woman ask a man now? Is that how relationships are sorting themselves out now that we're in the 21st century? And, and, and they studied uh, this at the Institute for Family Studies. And uh, what this leads to is some genuine, uh, I mean, hot takes as far as like, yeah. look, uh, this is how relationships are working now and aren't working and even if uh, relationships might start in a certain way what's the outcome of that say if you meet what does it mean if you meet at a bar what does it mean if you meet at school what does it mean if you meet online and as somebody who i do feel like i got out of all this uh in a in an earlier period things have changed since i was in the dating market and and frankly what happens is you kind of don't know the details of how it's shaping out anymore uh, I, I'm not a person, I haven't asked people like, okay, you met this person there, and, and what did you think about that? How did that turn out? Uh, I I uh, have not uh, asked a whole lot of young couples where they met, and frankly, in the spaces where you and I are in in the church, a lot of the people that we're around either met through the church, or they met at school. Yeah, yeah uh, a lot of them. 
And and so we're in a particular kind of slice of this pie, but this is this is a general study. It is not um, related. It, it includes questions like, "Did you meet at church?" Yeah. Um, but it's not specifically dedicated to questions related to Christianity, for that matter. Right. Yeah, the, that's exactly right. And and we can start off by asking a question that is posed by the title of the article, and that is, who asked whom? Does it matter who makes the first move in a relationship? I now pose that question to you, Jackson. Does it matter who makes the first move in a relationship? And I would have thought that it doesn't, and it it does. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's one takeaway from this, is yeah. that it certainly does. Uh, so if you're looking for this, uh, this is by Wendy Wang uh, from the February 14th, 2022. Uh, this is a February 14th, 2022 is when this article came out. Uh, we got this straight from the website at yeah. the Institute for Family Studies. Um, and a couple of highlights that they say uh, from the start, uh, compared to men, who didn't make the first move, men who did are much more likely to say they are very happy with their relationship. Mm -hmm. And then among married young adults, those who met their partner at church or other religious activities are the happiest with their marriage. So those are two out of the gate uh, things Mm -hmm. that that we can say uh, that are frankly pretty longstanding expected sorts of things that that men making the first move is a good thing. Yeah. Even, Even in the 21st century. Yeah. And when we say, to be clear, when we say making the first move, we're not talking about like the move, quote unquote, at the movie theater where you slip your arm around, <laughs> pretend yeah. to stretch, you slip her arm around your girlfriend. No, we're, we're talking about like who asks the person out on a date or who engages. Listen, and, you got to clarify language otherwise. That's right. That's right. You're exactly right. You do. And so we want to clarify that, what we mean by the first move, quote unquote. Um, yeah. And and it gets into a few other things, even in addition to that, that I think are interesting. And if it's cool with you, we can just kind of take some of the points that they Absolutely. lay out one by one. The first point made in the article uh, is that online is the most popular place for couples age 35 and younger to meet. Uh, so the majority of people, the highest, or at least the highest number of uh, percentage of people that are meeting and beginning a relationship, it's happening online, which is not really a huge surprise. More and more of our lives are moving online right now. And so the fact that people are meeting more online than in other places shouldn't surprise us either. Right. I, I will say that um, I am old enough uh, to say that, uh, and I would guess to anybody older than me, I'm 43, that this will be sort of a surprise um, to some people, in particular because uh, there was sort of a... a taboo or a shame around meeting online at first. Uh, I mean, uh, back when I uh, got married, there were certainly people who were meeting online, but it sort of had this uh, unnecessary uh, kind of attitude towards it, like, oh, well, you weren't out there in the real world, so you had to go online. And look, I know plenty of Christian couples who met online, and if you are a dedicated, devoted Christian, then it is, has been harder over the years to meet yeah. someone. And so I say that to say that I don't think that taboo is there at all. Uh, and I don't think it had to be, but it's right. pretty much gone now. And ev- evidence by this, is if there is anything to that still around, it's going to be gone soon because uh, it's the most popular place to meet people now. Yeah. That's exactly right. Now, what's interesting, though, and when you think about this, actually, as you said that, it kind of made me think, well, that, that is somewhat true. Like, if you're committed to, if you're a committed Christian, 
then you're you're I hope looking for a a marital partner who is also going to be a committed Christian. And like it or not, that does limit your pool of options, yep. especially if you live in like a small town or or more rural area. But even in 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 like Evansville, it still does limit your your pool of potential candidates. And so, of all people who maybe have a, a good reason for trying to meet someone online, um, Christians do. I think it, if you look at it in that way, do have a good reason to try and look there. So something like ChristianMingle.com, cheesy as it might sound and seem, um, might actually be a viable option for people who, as they look around them in the physical world, finding someone who is like-minded and related to these kind of doctrinal and, and things, they might be more likely to meet someone who more aligns with them spiritually and, and religiously right. uh, online through one of these websites or even through, I hear people meeting in Facebook groups. Sure. So like uh, if you're, uh, for example, and I just know this because of the circles I'm in, that there are reformed Baptist like singles Facebook groups. Right. That's a very specific Facebook group, right? you know, uh, but it's a place where you can meet people who are likely going to be very like-minded with you and, I think when it comes to meeting people online, that format is going to most likely lead to a favorable outcome in the long run and, and happiness in marriage is is using your, the online sort of tool to meet someone in that way who specifically meets the criteria that you are looking for and, and that you match with on, on a, an intellectual level or a religious level or political or all of the above. Right. I think it's interesting, though, that they just have online generically. Right. Presumably, online means Facebook, uh, Match.com, Tinder, right? Uh, I, whatever other thing might I be. I would be interested <clears throat> to know what percentage met through uh, a dating service, yes. eHarmony or whatever you want to say, versus just met through like social media yes. or something like that. Because I, I think of those as still pretty different ways. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I 100% agree. And I think it, it has an effect. I would like to see the breakdown of mm-hmm. different online places to meet other singles or potential mates and see the numbers of satisfaction or maybe even like divorce rates years down the road from people mm-hmm. who met on these various websites mm-hmm. because I do think that makes a difference. And here's why. I think if if a couple meets through something like Tinder mm-hmm. and you know people might not like this but I'm not a fan of Tinder. I I think it's no secret that Tinder uh, as an app, at least as it was originally created and used, was a hookup app. It was an app not designed for you to meet your lifelong committed relationship partner. It was a place to meet people, to hook up with them. It was not intended to, to be, or not generally used. It did become that for some people. I don't want to paint too broadly, but it wasn't typically used in the way of looking to create a long-term marriage right. relationship. It, it, it's... and. Whatever anyone could say about what it was designed for, it, it quickly gathered a connotation of meaningless sex is what it yes. was being used for or promoted for. Yes. I think that is absolutely the truth. And additionally, what it does, those kinds of apps with the swipe, 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 you know, swipe left, yeah, swipe yeah, right, whatever. Yeah. It also, similar to like slot machines, is sort of creating those neurological pathways in your mind right. And, right. and giving a dopamine hit when you're right. doing these things. Right. To where, if you even if you meet someone online and end up marrying them, you still might have the desire for that dopamine hit and want to still engage with those kinds of apps and online forums, right. which is obviously going to be detrimental to a satisfactory marriage down the road. 
Whereas I think if you're a Christian who goes on Christian mingle or something like that with the express purpose of seeking to find a, a spouse through those, it hopefully is going to be less of a, okay, I'm getting a dopamine hit from this hunt, this search, you know, swiping back and forth and more, it has met its purpose and now I'm done with it. You know, I think you're more likely to see with something like a Tinder people having a harder time getting away from that app, even once they're in that relationship. Right. I think. Right. It's, um, there are questions you immediately come up with about, uh, the commodification of relationships the commodification yeah. of people, turning people into a product, into a commodity. Yes. And they are, it, it does present them in that way. It, it throws you, what is the value? The value is based upon anything you can see. And then obviously there's stuff that you can read, but we are a visual uh, people in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing about it. If you think for a moment about what it's like when you meet someone, yes, uh, I've had actually over the years some very interesting conversations with young people about uh, various attitudes about sizing people up mm-hmm. because it, it is um, intriguing all the things that are happening when we meet people because yes, you are assessing a lot of things including physical appearance but this is the thing in life as it presents itself to us right now the way God put us together when you are meeting someone you have very limited time to assess their, them visually because you're expected to say something, mm-hmm. to listen as they might make a response. You already have a shared context by wherever you're meeting them. Mm-hmm. All of the work of, uh, of connecting you is tied to the physical space that you're in. This is how we were designed. And a lot of the problems with these things come in with changing that space and going, well, this ought to work just as well. It's like, mm-hmm. well, it, it works completely differently and we are moving anytime you, you bring this down to the internet while there are a variety of ways uh, that you can approach this, even on the internet, they are still disembodied, which makes them less powerful, more manipulable, um, more shallow in a lot of ways. Um, and, and even just one experience, which I, I can't remember if we've ever talked about on uh, the podcast before but if you have never had the experience of meeting someone being around them and you know when you're a young person a lot of things are about attraction and mm-hmm. so between men and women it's it's just this curious thing how well I mean when you're a young man especially it's like how beautiful women are but then you have certain situations where like I don't know that girl's like my sister I don't find her attractive but then this curious life experience of a girl who all of a sudden one day you go, wait a second, (laughs) when did she become attractive to me? And that is some of the magic that basically, some of the magic of real life, let's just say it like this. There is nothing happening on Tinder where somebody sits there for like 20 minutes and goes, (laughs) now that I've read she's interested in chess, you know, this turns the whole thing around. Yeah, There's not a lot of sort of soul searching, right? Uh, There just isn't. Period. No matter what, how anybody uses this app, there aren't people out there who are going, oh, I've searched the depths of their bios going like, oh, look at that. You know, I graduated mm-hmm. high school from the same school. She just came in when I went out. That makes it all different. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't make it different at all, actually. Um, and and you, ro- you were robbed of that because there is more to attraction than physicality, but there's not less to attraction than physicality. Right. It just abstracts out 
physicality, basically, and makes that so much more important while lowering the importance of all of the things, not just anything that can be written about interests, but even... I'm always shocked at the way pictures do not communicate what people look like. Mm, yeah. Uh, and and yeah. yes, in a basic, often they do. But the, the very quality of being photogenic, yeah. not all people are photogenic. And that's a weird thing. I have no idea why that is. I'm sure if someone who's here who's trained in photography could tell me more about why certain yeah. people are more photogenic than others. But look, it does not at all carry what a person is actually like to see a picture of them. Yeah. But meanwhile, that's what we're doing. And and, and and it will in the future. I guarantee you it will. People will say like, but isn't that so weird that you all accepted the minimal sort of uh, assessment yep. that you were given? It is weird. Yeah. But we're living as a people. We've done it. We continue to do it. That's right. It's such a, yep, such a poor medium to just go by. Okay, these pictures have been, yeah, that's exactly what we do. And so there is that. I think that plays a role. But regardless, online, generically, including all those different formats, is where most people are meeting today. And, and e this is people that are now in some sort of relationship because that's who we're talking about here. We're talking about couples in relationship. They're meeting online more than anywhere else. So put it in perspective, people, uh, 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 the 30% of people who are in relationship that were polled, that were surveyed, um, met online, 30% to be compared with 5%, which is the lowest percentage that they had on, uh, that was worth counting, I yeah. suppose. Um, met at church or religious activities. So they're complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Right. Online, 30%. Church, religious activities, 5%, where people are, are meeting and then developing into a relationship. Um, so that's an, that's an important point to note that we're going to come back to mm -hmm. because uh, we're going to see later this graph getting inverted for another reason. Um, Let me uh, go ahead and throw out, when I, when I got done, I was like, I think that should have been put in here sooner the details of exactly how this survey worked um so the institute for family studies slash wheatley institution survey was conducted by yougov between february 2nd to february 8th of 2022 and they interviewed 2645 respondents between the ages of 18 and 35 uh, with 1510 respondents who are married uh uh how many living with a partner uh, is that what that means? 644 living with a partner and 410 in a relationship. It's just strange, strange the way that's written there. Um, <laughs> and so the most important number of all that is, okay, where, what, like, what does that 30% uh, account for that you said couples meet online? Uh, so that is 2,645 respondents and they're between the ages of 18 and 35. And so they're trying to, to get access to the answer to the question, how are people meeting? And yes, 30% yeah. of people who are in these relationships met yeah. online, whether they are dating, uh, living together, or married. 24% yeah. yeah. um, met at school or college. 24% uh, met through friends. 14% um, met at work. 10% at parties or events. 7% met through family members. 6% met at a bar or a restaurant, and like you said, 5% met at church or a religious activity. Yeah. Yep. And so we're going to, like I said, we're going to get more into those, mm -hmm. that specific thing. Like, kind of the qualities of those, but that's yes. how they met. That's yeah, these, how they this met. is just sheer numbers. This is where you met, okay? Um, point number two that they get into, which, like you said, this thing is kind of filled with hot takes, mm -hmm. but it's just the data. Like, it, this isn't someone trying to make some claim. It's just the data. 
Uh, point number two, men are much more likely than women to say that they asked for the first date regardless of the couple's relationship status, meaning regardless of whether they're married or cohabitating or um, in a relationship generically. Dating, yeah. Yeah, dating. They, uh, the man is far more likely to say that they asked for the first date. And, and I guess if there are um, Gen Zers or around that age, uh, talking would would be what they mean by dating uh, here. Because uh, if you consider yourself in a relationship, they are quantifying that as, as dating. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. You can be all incognito if you <laughs> want to, but they're calling you dating. <laughs> they're like, no, we know what you are. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so there's those facts. Men are more likely to say that they, to respond, and usually truthfully so. I mean, it's not that they're, I don't think they're trying to lie because even a lot of the women responded uh, that their uh, spouse or partner, the the man, did the asking yeah. uh, initially. So it's pr- pretty agreed upon. Um, the third point. Oh, hold on. I, oh. I think these are fascinating. The sub points off number two. Okay. So compared to men who didn't make the first move, men who did are much more likely to say they are very happy with their relationship. Yeah. 70% of men versus 46%. Uh, the same story doesn't apply to women, though. Women who ask for the first date are slightly less likely than those who didn't to say they are very happy with their relationship. So 59% of women versus 63% of women. And the gap among married women is bigger. And so if that was unclear, that means men who initiated were happier. Yeah. Women who initiated were less happy. Not by a lot. Yeah. The, the gap is bigger. Yeah. Um, but given the way this thing shakes out, men, uh, you can say it a lot of ways, they're, they're more pleased with themselves. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're happier with themselves. Their, their relationship seems to be going better for yeah. them. They're happier with the way things are going. What does that say to you? I mean, I know, I know what it says to me. That what the, does it say to you? It says that the expectations of men for themselves have not changed, nor have they changed from the standpoint of women. Uh, as yes. much as we, it, as it is sort of uh, the thing people say that, well, anybody can initiate a relationship these days. The, the, the first thing that this study says is, uh, yeah, but it looks like men should still go ahead and initiate the relationship. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it says basically that fact that, A, men tend to be happier and thrive more when they um, show initiative, yeah. when they take some sort of, of lead in yeah. the relationship, even from the get-go. And not only do men report more levels of satisfaction, but women report higher levels of satisfaction and happiness in a relationship where the man initiated it and kind of took the lead. This is, you know, it might sound archaic to some people to say, but I think women are interested in men who show initiative, who are wanting to lead, who know what they want, who who do these kinds of things. Um, I think they want that. I think men are typically happier when they engage in that kind of activity in that role as well. Right. Almost uh, like God created us well, in and, specific and different ways uh, as men and women. <laughs> I agree. And one thing to say about this is um, you could put an exclamation point on this from a standpoint of it, it, women who hear this, if a man will not initiate uh, the start of a relationship you should be very concerned if you won't initiate the start of a relationship with you, you should be very concerned that he won't initiate on getting a job. He won't initiate Mm -hmm. on helping with children. Mm -hmm. He won't initiate on a whole host of tasks because, um, there are many things driving men to get a relationship and a lack of initiative in that area is a tell for a lot of other situations in life that are much less clear cut for men, there's much been written about how challenging it is to make uh, 
men out of boys. Yep. And this is one of those milestones that a man who will not initiate a relationship is incredibly unlikely, in my opinion, yep. to initiate uh, getting a job, initiate say, taking care of aging family members, taking care of children, taking care of a house. Anything. You I mean, name it. Like, it's just, this is a direct line that anybody who is a man knows, uh, knows what it feels like to lack initiative, yeah. but also knows what it feels like to take initiative and then yeah. recognizing what comes of that and then going, maybe I should take initiative more often. Yeah. If you will not take initiative at the first stage here, it's just a bad sign all the way down the line. Now, look, if you're in a relationship as a woman where you initiated, look, you probably have also noticed that you struggle to encourage or motivate this man. Well, one part of this is women can encourage and motivate men in a certain way. Other men should be doing it as well. One of the things that you should be asking yourself, I mean, the Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. I heard just this past week, and I, I think it's largely true. If you want to talk about where your life is going, look at the closest five relationships you have in your life. And that's pretty much uh, a direct pointer to where your life is going. And and, and that, I will, that is true. Um, friendships are a big deal in everyone's life, but in particular in a man's life. And so any woman who is trying to encourage and motivate the man that she is close to, um, you can do some of that, but most of the time you can't do it right. all. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, point number three, relationship satisfaction is higher among married young women than their cohabitating or dating peers. Again, shocker. Shocker. <laughs> who could have ever predicted these kinds of things? In fact, 68% of married young women say they're very happy. On the other hand, Young women who live with a partner but are not married or are, are the least happy with their relationship. Uh, 55 saying, 50% saying they're very happy. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, sounds like a, a no-brainer to us, but it needs to be said that, look, <clears throat> regardless of what people might wish was the case, regardless of what the world might say is the case, your best course of action to lead to a happy, healthy relationship is not... Let's test it out by pretending to be married, living right. together, right. and then maybe get married. You know, when the time feels right or when, whatever. Right. There, there are sort of. Um, this one is dangerous because it's not shared. Uh, on on the last issue we talked about, there was an agreement. Frankly, uh, on the statistics, both men and women looked at it and went, "Yeah, uh, frankly." From from the standpoint of the data, it looks better all around if men initiate. Now, now one thing that's curious about that is, uh, it, the more I read in this study, uh, the way I related to it uh, is, so wait a second. In every one of these situations, um, it's very likely that even when men quote-unquote initiate, uh, the woman was putting out the vibe. Mm. Um, what is so strange about the whole thing is, uh, if you say basically, well, the woman could go ahead and ask out the man too. I, the way I kind of, in my mind, the way it sorts itself out is, so wait a second, she's got to do all the work of sort of the, the intangibles and the indirect communication of, Hey, I'm kind of interested in you and go the whole way and do the, all the vulnerability thing too, of actually asking this person out. Like that's ridiculous. Most relationships, whether young men realize it or not, uh, 
are a result of the woman sort of putting out some oh, sort yeah. of interest. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, it's hilarious how often uh, in his, in history, men have kind of said, yeah, I, I made the move here. And it's like, listen, she also, there is a way that women communicate through body and women read body language a lot better um, to know much more about what's going on here. And in a lot of ways, for my money, what's been happening here is in a lot of ways for the last 50 years, there's been this story of like, maybe women can do all the work to make relationships happen. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that's stupid yeah. <laughs> and, and unnecessary, not good for men, not good for women, not good for marriages. What kind of, what right. kind of formula for a happy marriage is that? Well, you put in all, just all the work, just make it happen. I'm here, sweetie. Just make it happen. Right. That's terrible. Um, and, and so then when you come to this one, uh, we are in an opposite place that, um, yeah. frankly, a lot of what the data shows is that um, cohabitation, men show higher, higher levels of satisfaction where yep. women show lower levels of satisfaction in a relationship where cohabitation is involved. Yep. In other words, men are pretty content to not pay for the cow when they're getting the milk for free to use popular euphemism, Right. In fact, it says 68% of married young women say uh, they are very happy when they're married. On the other hand, young women who live with a partner are not married, uh, but are not married, are the least happy with their relationship. 55% say they're very happy. Yeah. Why would that be? Why would it be that, that a cohabitating woman would be far less satisfied with a cohabitating man? In other words, people living together that aren't married would be... Far would report being very happy. So, I mean, and, and then that points to a discrepancy. Like the men in these relationships where they're cohabitating are saying, oh yeah, everything's great. I'm very happy. I love this situation. Whereas the women in it are not saying that, you know? Right. So I think here we have to bring in some claims of the sexual revolution, which were basically this. Um, now that we have the birth control pill, other methods of uh, keeping children, Mm -hmm. keeping pregnancies from happening, keeping children from being born. Uh, Well, now we can get uh, meaningless sex uh, and that will just make life better. That'll make people happier. Um, You know, one sad reality is that if you look at the data, um, who has it made happier? Um, High status, shallow men. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That is the answer. Yeah, to that question, and 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 we can sort that out um, because this data points towards a reality yeah. that we've been seeing in a few other areas. That basically what happens is um, women are typically uh, more controlled and more choosy about who they get into a relationship with. Um, so then they are looking for higher status men men typically are more open to a variety of statuses among women mm-hmm. um the thing still exists anybody who thinks it doesn't i just want to warn you about men if you think that there are not types of women that men date versus types of women that men marry absolutely there still are mm-hmm. that still happens that way that some men will mess around and date women that they have no intention of marrying Mm -hmm. and then get out of that relationship when they want to have a long-term relationship. Uh, Meanwhile, women do that much less. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so the promises of the sexual revolution are not bearing themselves out. What, what they mean is if you choose to have meaningless sex in general, you don't have to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. The sexual revolution really didn't make any claims about helping people to have long-term meaningful lives in terms of a family. And there, there were no real promises. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, all the sexual revolution had to say about the family is have it your way. And it continues to. Yeah. That's the story we're continually being fed. Make it up as you go. It'll work out fine. Right. Um, guess what? Uh, that is so unbelievably untrue. As anyone who is dealing with anything from a, a horrible divorce or uh, child support, uh, living a life of, uh, I have children with a person that I no longer have any kind of good relationship with, um, to hundreds of other broken stories yeah. that the sexual revolution really kind of said, oh, I don't know, just make it up as you go. It'll probably all be fine. It's like, okay, no, it, it won't at all. Yeah. Um, you have brokenness upon brokenness in a lot of situations, including what I would call another um, kind of brokenness, which is just two people who live in the same house who don't have much of anything to do with each other. Yeah. Because the sexual revolution, again, had to say, like, basically, if you're young and attractive, sure, this will work for you. Mm-hmm. Sleep with whoever you want to sleep with. It's like, okay, but as much as we deny this, we're not all always going to be young and attractive. Right. What then? Yep. Oh, there is no plan. There's literally no plan. Uh, and And that's the reality of it. Yeah, I think what's fascinating, too, is that you know, the, the invention of the pill and these forms of contraception were supposed to be for women, like this great liberating thing. Mm-hmm. This is going to make women happier and, and better off. But as you're saying, what these kinds of things have actually led to is not a bettering for women, not that women are happier, not that they're thriving more, but just the worst types of men are now thriving more and they're happier because of this. They are the ones that have gotten the most benefit, the most gain from these things that, that feminism was promoting as mm-hmm. these great things for women. As it turns out, they kind of have not been all that great for women, but they've been great for scumbag men. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, this is a real concern because unfortunately you still have, and, and, and you talk about something that's, that gets scarier every year because there is less understanding between the sexes every year in my opinion as we walk around kind of going i don't know maybe men can be women look that is that is false it creates complete confusion Mm -hmm. uh and it creates a lot of stupid decisions to think that men and women are no different other than some minor biological issues that is that is so deeply wrong and one of the ways that it's still wrong is look while women will still seek high status men, those few men, uh, what we used to call like the big men on campus, those mm-hmm. those few guys are happy to sort of sleep with a whole bunch of women, sure. move on at a certain point to some woman that they intend to attach themselves to. Yep. And meanwhile, uh, one way you can say this is who's good at meaningless sex? Uh, shallow men. Yeah, and, right. and 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 frankly... In general, women aren't very good at it. And one thing from the data you can see is most women don't want that. Right. But that product was sort of invented, had a pretty good advertising campaign, and continues to this day. While we now have generations of people who have been operating off of these ideas, it's not borne out to any good purpose. And, and this data here mm-hmm. shows that, mm-hmm. that women who are living 
with a partner are not happy with it on average. Mm -hmm. And men who are living with a partner are pretty happy with it on average. Yeah. And that is a danger because now you have the beginnings of seeing why is there such a disconnect between men and women? Why are a lot of relationships not being formed? We have had a divergence of expectations, of ideas, and even of understanding of reality in the last, say, Mm -hmm. 60 years about how men and women actually think, what they are getting into relationships for, and it is hamstringing real relationships and the relationships that do happen, it's making them more difficult because, I mean, one way you can say it like this, and I think this is true, when a woman goes into a cohabiting relationship, she thinks this is going somewhere meaningful. And what yeah. this is bearing out is the man doesn't think that in any way, shape, or form. No. No, necessarily. That's why he's perfectly happy with this situation, right? But but the happiness, the higher rates of happiness reported among men in those cohabitating situations, that kind of happiness is a very carnal, very temporary, very uh, honestly rooted in sin kind of happiness, mm-hmm. sin and selfishness. Because for the man, the situation is as good as it could be. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is there is no commitment right. involved in this, and yet all of the pleasure that could be that could be hoped for and wanted out of a situation. I mean, it's it's a very carnal kind of happiness that's being reported in those numbers. Yeah, yeah. So sad. yeah it it appeals to men's base instincts. We have Apparently, a, Siri thought I called her name, and uh, I did not. So. We have our first entrance of AI into our podcast. <laughs> oh, and no. I found this on the web for Cardinal Kai. <laughs> All right. So anyway, um, so, and it, it is, it's terrible because this is, this is not only a failure of yeah. a possible uh, relationship. It is a misread and a misunderstanding on both parties of expectations. Yes. Which is, if you want to talk about, you and I have now both seen marriages and divorces happen. A lot of the failure of marriages starts before they are married in what are our expectations going to be. And one of the sad things about, say, a broken cohabitation is that there are feelings and emotions and commitments that are made in the hearts of those people and commitments that are not made that are completely unclear because of the different expectations about what is happening. And that is bad. We have remade this thing and we have no real structure to it. And so there's these sort of winks and nods about, oh, is it, are we doing what we, what I think we're doing? No, no, everybody's making this thing up for themselves and they should not be surprised when it works out, when the end goals are very different for different people. And in Mm -hmm. fact, some people have no end goals. Right. And 10 years later, you can be in the exact same situation going, am I ever going to have children? Am I ever going to get married? Is this thing really stable that I am in? And so before we leave this, I think the numbers are just really powerful to say that um, among those who are say they, who say they're very happy with their spouse or partner, uh, married men say 65%, yes. Married women, 68%, yes. Cohabiting men, 67% of men say yes. Cohabiting women, 55% of women say yes. And then dating, uh, 55% of men say yes. So of these three, the the least happy men are found in the dating section. (laughs) Uh, Men don't, I'm not surprised at all that men don't like dating that much. Um, And then uh, 62% of women said that they're very happy while they're dating. Yeah, and I think that speaks to what you're saying. Like in that dating phase, women are are saying, "I think this is going somewhere. I, I see where this is going. I know where I want this to go." 
But then when it becomes cohabitating, it begins to become less clear. Okay, where is this going? Mm -hmm. As opposed to when it moves into marriage, where you say, okay, this is where I was hoping to end up and hoping to be, you know? Right. So um, I I will say this too, real quick. You know, we've said a few things about contraception and and the pill. and, And we are not sitting here trying to say that anyone who ever uses any form of contraception is engaging in some sort of evil or or anything like that. Not at all is that what, what our claim is, but that is to, we are seeking to say that there are claims and promises that were made on behalf of these uh, these technologies that they are unable to live up to. Right. And that's yeah, kind they, of what they we're they were only uh, technologies yeah. that uh, that did something to affect, say, biology. Yes. Um, it was anybody's guess what they would do yeah. to relationships, but there was a whole story that was told. Um, yeah. And one, I mean, one strange thing that I can tell you that is pretty shocking is that um, it, probably any of us who had sat there, in, if we were able to be there in, in say, 1960, say, okay, fast forward 50 years, how many out-of-wedlock births will there be uh, based upon the fact that the pill will become completely widely available? Most people would have said, Oh, there will be dramatically fewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the answer is there are dramatically more. Mm-hmm. There are extremely, the numbers are shocking um, in terms of how many more, and not just bear, percentage of unwed births yeah. um, that are happening. And then you go, well, that doesn't make any sense. No, on the face, it doesn't at all because you're not dealing with math, strictly speaking here. You're dealing with people. Yeah, people yeah, are playing right. a lot of different games in their head, yeah. and it goes way beyond what's happening with with a pill. Yeah. Um, and those numbers have increased dramatically. And one of the very very strange things, and we've mentioned this in a previous po- previous podcast, I can't even remember which one it was. Maybe you'll remember about how this is a luxury belief because the rich pretty much promote, hey, meaningless sex is fine, but even. One thing that the rich generally do, even in college, is rather than sleep around uh, and be generally promiscuous, there is a phenomenon at Ivy League schools where they tend to pick a single person that is what they call sort of their college wife or college husband, and they are just with that person, even though they're not officially married, and they get into that relationship because they know it's very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm to be having meaningless sex with random people because you don't know what will happen and what will come of that. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to be in a situation where you get pregnant and you have the child of this person that you don't have a whole lot to do with. But meanwhile, since that view has become sort of the popular cultural view, the poor do often uh, have sex with a variety of people, end up with children out of wedlock with various stories, end up in poverty, stuck in poverty because of it, unable to finish college, get an education. This is just a story that's been borne out hundreds of times over. And the poor don't have any platform to say, hey, this didn't turn out for me at all. And so it just keeps on being perpetuated. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the rich know this. Uh, the rich, it, and this is not just college, the rich stay married at astounding rates, right. much higher than the poor. Right. Because if there's one thing you will find out in terms of life experience economically is that going through a divorce is incredibly costly. Yep. You'll be financially in debt for years and years longer than you would have been. But yeah, this is not a story that's told that often. Right. 
And, you know, there's a whole can of worms in there that we could get into. But I did just want to sort of preface and say someone could hear us talking and think that we are are sort of laying all things at the feet of the the wicked uh, contraception contraceptives, and, and that's not what we're intending to do. Right. But to say they are technologies, but they're technologies that are easily abused in these kinds of ways uh, and a terrible detriment to society, I think. Um, number four. How you met your spouse slash partner is somewhat linked to relationship happiness with young adults who met in bars slash restaurants being the least happy. Uh, This is where we get to a little bit of an inversion that I was talking about earlier. Uh, It says, uh, I'll just continue on a little bit. Among young married adults, those who met their partner at church or religious activities are the happiest with their marriage. 76% saying they are very happy, followed by those who met at parties slash events. Uh, and those who met at school or college, the share among married, uh, young married adults who met online is somewhat lower, at sixty-one percent. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this is interesting. If you remember the one of the first graphs we looked at, it said that the fewest number of people who are in a relationship now met at a church or religious activity. Right. The most number mm-hmm. met online, but the highest rates of happiness based on how you first met mm-hmm. is highest among those who met at church or religious activities. While that's the smallest number of people that are meeting at those places, those small number of people are reporting the highest levels of happiness. Right. And so this is very much a a quantity versus a quality issue. And and it's very, I'm glad we've gotten to this because that's hugely important to say that if you met at church, that is the highest in terms of long-term happiness, Um, while that was the lowest in terms of the number of people who are meeting at church. I mean, in some ways, what we're running into is an advertisement for eHarmony, which uh, (laughs) what eHarmony does is they try to match people based upon what they call like deeply held uh, values. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are the things that are most important to Mm -hmm. you? Uh, Because they do believe, and I think rightly so, that those are the things over the long term that will uh, determine success in a relationship to the closest degree. You can't guarantee any relationship to work out. But uh, certainly it is not the way to guarantee a relationship to say, hey, think that girl's pretty? It's a match. Yeah, that's, that right. Ain't it. that's right. Which essentially is what's happening at the lowest levels of, of satisfaction, which is bar and restaurant. If you meet someone right. in a bar or restaurant, you are the least likely, according to the numbers, uh, to end up in a relationship where you are very happy right. Right. <laughs> which is which is pretty fascinating i think it speaks to something of the same kind of stuff but all of the higher ratings of happiness the first one being church and religious activity then parties and events then school slash college then work then friends what i think you're seeing there i would argue is at the highest levels those who report the highest levels of happiness based on where they met or how they met I think the reason is they met in places or environments where they already had certain shared identities or shared um, experiences or shared right. uh, desires and, and things that make them up. Like if you meet someone in a bar, literally all that you are going on is maybe one conversation, a couple conversations and how they look. Mm-hmm. But if you meet someone at church, you already most likely have a pretty solid base or foundation of, okay, we believe the same things. We we have doctrinal um, similarities um, in addition to 
I also think this person is attractive. Hopefully that is the case. Right. And, uh, and I mean, uh, party or event is a broad category that includes, you know, what you could think of as like a college party, but then everything too. Uh, I mean, you could think of like a baby shower, or a birthday sure. party. Like these are, these are social events. And if you think about the connections between people who are tied to this event, one thing that if you read about this stuff that you will find out is it's rare that people cross a whole lot of social class boundaries and get married. Um, these are stories that we read about, but typically people have more in common than that. And that this is evidence, I mean, obviously one with the church or religious activity being 76%, but parties being 73%, how do you account for that? Well, shared connection, Yeah, which means you have a shared context. Yeah. I mean, you know a lot of the same people, which means you have... Yeah, more things in common from the start and not just we we really make a lot of interests and we don't make near enough out of relationships that are shared that determine yeah. a lot about connections that we have. Yeah, I mean think about the parties and events you go to. Typically, if you're going to certain parties and events, they're parties and events that you already have a connection with or with the people that are going. I'm not going out to Magic the Gathering parties. Right. You know why, Jackson? Because well, I have I no interest in Magic the Gathering. No, this right? is my surprised face. I know. <laughs> so, so the odds that I'm going to be going to parties or events just surrounded by people that have no shared interests, no um, likenesses with me is slim. Mm -hmm. uh, typically, the events, the parties you're going to are with the kinds of people that you already share things in common with. And so sounds to me, we need to have more church parties, Denton. Cause that, I mean, look, if, uh, if that's 70, huh? if that's 76 and 73%, what's, what's those two added together? Like 190% or something? Listen, every Sunday morning <laughs> we have a party at our church. You just come on over. It's right before and right after our worship service. Okay, so you just okay. come early and then stick around late. It's a party. Trust me. So, um, but yeah, I, I find these to be interesting and, not surprising. Well, and, and another one that won't surprise people, school and college accounted for uh, 73%, yeah. which is the same as parties and events. Still pretty That's high. Very high. Yeah. Um, and you could kind of tier list these. Work is 69%, which is, I think is pretty surprising. You wonder about how much people have in common uh, if they work at the same place. But I would say, again, like a fair amount. Yes. Um, friends, having friends in common who connect to people, 65%. Uh, family members, 64%. Online is sixty one percent, and then the bar restaurant thing is is pretty much dramatically lower. It's at way six percent. I mean, it's yeah. like another tier. If you were tier listing all of these here, um, there you have three in the seventies and four in the sixties, and then bar restaurant is down at forty six. Yeah, man, don't Which, meet people. I'm not trying to cast aspersions, <laughs> but don't meet people at bars. It's just yeah. fifty fifty or less. Yeah, just more. Yeah. There's more of a chance you won't like them. Yeah, it's, it, and additionally, the bar and restaurant was also a pretty low number on the first scale that we've met, which is just where people are meeting. So isn't that something? here's the thing. If you're listening to this and you are currently on the hunt and you're going to bars and restaurants, you are basically wasting your time. Uh, you need to find other places. There are certainly other places uh, that you can have yeah. much more of a chance of success. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I definitely would encourage that. There's a whole host of other findings in this thing, Jackson. Yep. And um, the article basically from here on is just graphic, 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 you know, it's just a bunch of different graphics. Um, and <laughs> let me let me clarify for all those who are listening: it has graphs. Oh, it is not yes. graphic at all. It, it is not a it is not a graphic article. It is an article from here. This with article graphs. takes a dramatic downturn oh. into. Thank you for uh, clarifying that. Thank you for clarifying. It's really that. funny. But, uh, what, um, which one I, are you going to point? I, to? I do want to point that. Um, 
that one thing that's really dangerous is that online relationships do not seem to be leading to marriage. Um, that married adults are less likely to meet online. Um, and that, uh, that that's just something that's happening, that uh, moving that relationship along seems to be uh, less, uh, that most of the time that leads to dating more often, kind of that level. Uh, 36% uh, say they met their spouse, partner online or dating. Uh, 29% are cohabiting and 25% are married. Just something to keep in mind. Um, but one thing that we can say as far as like, okay, what about all this data is like, look, marriage is down across the board. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, sad. and, and so this sort of, uh, it goes into that, but you're going to find marriages down across the board so yeah. that in every category, marriage is less than dating and cohabiting, um, yep. which is not great. I, I think that, uh, marriage is, if you, if you are interested in being with someone, Marriage is a good destination for you. Yeah. It's the best destination. It's going to lead to the highest rates of happiness. Right. I would argue. Um, and but while we're on the subject, I don't know if we missed this or mentioned it. Um, married people have more sex, better sex, like frequency, quality and quantity. It's like, it, this is a myth that somehow yeah. out there, there is like, oh, if you... Oh, if you want to sleep around a lot, then man, that's going to get you. You're going to be just this happy person who's sleeping with people all the time. Not generally. No, no, not the case. Not only not generally, that is the exception, <laughs> not right. the rule. Right. The rule it does is, happen, but it's the yeah. exception. The rule is they didn't mention any, much about that in this article, but the rule is uh, married people have more sex and more satisfactory sex. Um, that is as, as graphic as we're going to get about about that um, <laughs> graphic graphic <yeah>. <laughs> graphic <laughs> uh here is one that i think is fascinating this is a, a ratio of like who asks the fir- the person out on the first date uh, husbands or wives and when it results in happiness mm-hmm. so uh the percentage of people who say they are very happy uh when asked out on the first date by the other person versus if they ask them out so the numbers show that that men are 71, 71% of men reported being in a very happy relationship when they were the one that did the asking mm-hmm. versus 60% of women who, when they did the asking, said reported being very happy in their relationship. Whereas on the flip side, this is, a, this is, huge. This is a huge difference. Men who were asked out by the women report being very happy in their relationship at 38%. Only 38% of men who's, who the woman asked them out on the first date, mm-hmm. only 38% of them report being very happy. As opposed to women, 70% of women who had a man ask them out on the first date report being, being very happy. Mm-hmm. 38% to 70%. That's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. It just speaks to a, an, an age-old thing that is men who initiate relationships and when men initiate their relationships versus women it tends towards a more long-lasting and happy relationship and i and we can even leave that sort of more subjective side for a minute because it is intriguing to me what is still actually happening even as all the stories we've talked about have been told um among this group of people who again this was asked last year among 18 to 35 year olds 2500 of them um let's ask what actually happened uh here are those who say they asked for the first date. Among men, 53% of men said they asked for the first date. 15% of women 
And so men are still doing that, thankfully, mm-hmm. in numbers that are over three times yep. uh, the number of women. Uh, among men who are married, 59% asked and still 15% of women. Yeah. Even more men who that relationship eventuated in marriage. So, frankly, there is a number that's standing out at you here. If you are a young woman looking for a relationship, you are generally right to stick to your guns and want a guy who initiates. Mm -hmm. That not only means dating and a happier dating relationship, it means marriage in more cases. Yep. Uh, which again, is, uh, with the framework we've been talking about, is not surprising. A man right. who will initiate a dating relationship is much more likely to initiate a marriage. He is a mover. He he wants that relationship to go somewhere. Most women want that relationship to go somewhere. These are the indicators that a man is also willing to make that relationship go somewhere. Yep. Um, there right. are a couple others on that one, but uh, that's uh, just an important fact. Now, we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty. We're going to get down to people, what people really want to know, Jackson, and that's this question. Did you ask Megan out, or did Megan ask you out? I asked her out. Oh, She right. put out the vibe. What about you with Kaylee? Uh, Kaylee was severely putting out the vibe, <laughs> and so I, did, I asked her out. Um, it's a pretty fun story that I'm not going to tell here, but um, yes, when you were talking about you know, the the women are tend to put out the vibe. Um, the men do the asking. You know, that's typically a good model for how things work. Um, I that is totally the case. Would you have asked Megan out if you didn't have some sort of idea that she was interested? Most of the time, as a guy, you know, like that's not a good idea. Yeah, probably not. Um, probably not. Because you, um, it's interesting. Because even as a young man you sort of don't conceive of what's going on when a woman won't pay attention to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think that she's some like she's shallow or flighty or, you know, like, and, and thankfully you often, you kind of just in your mind, you don't conceive of it necessarily. Like she doesn't think I'm much of a man. You just kind of go, I don't know what she's about. You know? Um, I always thought she was confused. That's always <laughs> was just my assumption. And, she just doesn't um, know. I mean, there's so many funny things that I've read and heard about men. Like men generally think they're doing better than they are in terms of dating and in terms of like how attractive they are. Women generally think they're doing worse. Like God has been good to men and like we tell ourselves these happy things. Um, And it's so funny uh, in that way. Uh, But no, so no, rarely uh, does a guy make these moves when, you know, there are no signals that he ought to be initiating. Uh, And and, and that's probably good because there is here, there is a game, a dance that's happening here Mm -hmm. and you, Mm -hmm. you should learn Uh, fathers. You should learn to teach your sons and your daughters kind of just how this is, how this does happen because this is, uh, this is socialization. Um, And, and yeah, to some degree it's advanced socialization beyond basic manners, but um, this is an important life skill. Yep. That's right. It it is. You know, I'm I'm so thankful that my wife was, uh, Back in those days, and I think fondly about we met at college, yeah. Uh, but we met at college through sort of like campus ministry events, mm-hmm. so we kind of so cross over. Did into have a the of two top things. levels yeah. of <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. And so, did um, you meet at a college uh, church campus party? N- no, that I'm would be like you, three or four at once. <laughs> no, but like 
it, it became pretty clear early on that uh, that we were interested in one another. She made it clear to me that she was interested. She might not have known she was making it clear to me. Right. I think yeah. she did, though. Yeah. I think she was trying not to be too subtle, and and I'm thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did it, it did give me the confidence and the what I needed to to do the the asking then at that point and to ask her out and they, the rest is history. So yeah, it's pretty fun to to think back on those things and those times and now where we're at now. And for the record, if there was an extremely happy portion uh, for me to vote for, I would be right in there in that category because I uh, just love my wife so much. I love uh, thinking back about the the times we've spent getting to know one another from those earliest days on USI's campus to now and just how much better we know one another now and how deeper the and how much deeper the intimacy is now and and the happiness is and yeah and um, i want to say to anyone out there who's hearing this you know look this is all challenging there are no guarantees um everybody i have lived long enough to see that some people get into relationships and they have all of these boxes checked and still there are problems and things that, that cause all kinds of trouble. So we've talked lightly about kind of data and statistics. Uh, this is complicated stuff. This is life stuff. And, uh, and goodness, uh, as a, my favorite musician is a guy named Rich Mullins who, uh, had his heart broken a few times, but was also not geared for sort of having a long-term relationship. So he pretty much pined his entire rest of his life about, um, about, how he didn't, how he had one woman that he really loved and that she married somebody else and that's the way his life goes. He, in fact, wrote a song recorded by Amy Grant called Doubly Good to You. And uh, one of the lines from it says, if you find a heart that's tender, if you find someone who's true, then thank the Lord he's been doubly good to you. Mm-hmm. And Rich Mullins, in fact, did not record that. Amy Grant recorded it and Amy Grant has been married. Uh, her, her romantic story is a much happier one, and his romantic story is that he didn't have one, and then he died. Um, and, and so there are a lot of those out there, and, yeah. and that's just a part of what happens. Um, but we did also want to encourage today people who are you know still going, oh, Lord, I do want somebody to come along and uh, stay the course, don't lose heart, uh, that, that if, if you have that desire in your heart, then... We hope God does bring someone along, but don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged. Mm-hmm. I know of people who have, you know, put themselves even on uh, some sort of Christian dating site and then been dis- disappointed. Yeah. Look, don't don't lose heart. Don't just because you had a bad, say, date or connection, don't be discouraged by that. That happens. And a part of what is so challenging about relationships is keep on putting yourself out mm-hmm. there and not being discouraged about the way it goes. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. And I think that's where, yeah, the, the sort of pastoral um, word comes in to say, when you think about, the, the data shows that people tend to report high rates of happiness when they meet their spouse at uh, church or religious activities or, or places. And here's the thing, you know, one thing that could happen from this is people hear, oh, well, if I want to meet a girl, I need to go to church and meet a girl at church. Not really yes and no. You know, the answer is not go to church so that you can meet a wife. The answer to, to, and the reason why the high rates of happiness are, are reported among those who meet at church has to do with shared goals, shared purpose, shared interests. In this case, a shared commitment to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so the, the mindset ought not be, I'm going to go to church to find a woman, but rather it, it should be, I want a woman who is set on these things and has her mindset on these things, namely Christ and the gospel and commitment to him and to his mm-hmm. church. And in order for that relationship to work, even if you meet her at the at church, at the church or religious activities, you have to have the same mindset as well. 
And so the answer can't just be go to church, meet a wife there. The answer mm-hmm. is go to church. And here's the thing, set your mind and your heart and your affections firmly on Christ. Right. And, and if the Lord wills, he will bring a person into your life, whether right. you meet them through church or right. through other activities or whatever, uh, that shares that same commitment mm-hmm. and that will result in a happy marriage. But more than that, even if it doesn't result in that, a commitment to Christ is one that will never let down, that will never be unsatisfying, that will never leave you empty right. as, as relationships will if you rely on them for your joy and your happiness and for promises they can't fulfill. Right, right. And look, some people are called to singleness. That is, that is perfectly fine. Um, the, the whole of today has been about this eventuality of a relationship. And I want to uh, close and I'll ask you this same question. Thinking about people that you know who have met and have good marriages in particular, um, where did they meet and what advice would you give people who are seeking that? Um, because I would certainly say uh, one try things. You have time. If you're single, mm-hmm. your, your evenings are more free than a lot of people are. Go and try things. Uh, you and I know people who met uh, through uh, a ballroom dance, a longstanding ballroom yeah. dance group that uh, meets out at USI. Um, go, it, whatever you can man, even some things if you don't care about them, bowling, I mean, go and go places, be where people are. Yeah. Um, talk to people. And I, and I know that sometimes it's like, I just don't know. I've lost heart. If I'm going to meet, well, don't, don't give up on it, but do put yourself out there. There is an error that I would just call this a blatant error that, that in, in, within Christianity that, well, if God wants me to have someone, he'll bring them along. Drop them in my lap. I, I don't, yeah. I don't think that's how, how it works. I don't think that's how it works yeah. on jobs. I don't think that's how it works. No. You know, you need to be where the people are. Yeah. <laughs> you got you should do the work to go and be there um and and and, and okay so what does that mean well you can't force it but yeah. don't do not think god's gonna have some telephone lineman knock on your door at your house and then you're like oh this must be the guy you know like that's not what we're looking at here yeah. as christians and i literally meet people who sort of have that idea and i think it's foolish i, I don't think that's wise at all yeah. uh, and i don't i don't think that's how this ought to work because if you have this time Look, you should plumb the depths of your interests. Go yeah. fishing places. Go to various... There's a lot of churches that have different uh, small group Bible studies for singles. and uh, Go. Yeah. Be places. You're not going to meet people if you're not where people are. That's right. And that, I think, is huge because it it, it is true. Some people... Uh, have fallen into this. I go to work and I go home sort of things like that's yeah. not, I ain't got it done so far and I don't think it's yeah. going to get it done in the future. And the excuses of, Oh, I'm just an introvert. I just, you know, I don't like being around people, whatever. It's like, well, you need to get over that. And, mm-hmm. and so much of what people call introversion um, and they act as though it's this immutable characteristic that they have that they can't do anything about. Yes, you can, you can fight against that. You can develop more of a, of a, a pleasure and enjoyment and being around people and doing things. Yep. Um, don't give in to that, that like, well, if you're an introvert, you just have to sit there and be an introvert. Right, right. Uh, no, you need to get out. You need to do things, uh, accept the challenge of yep. life. I mean, that's really what it is. Most introverts, if you're an introvert, maybe you're a better reader than take a class and yeah. go get with people at a, at a local college. Like you can leverage yeah. that. You need to ask how you leverage that and don't just make the excuses right. like you're talking about. It's getting harder and harder. And we, as we said at the beginning, we live in a world that is increasingly, our lives are increasingly moving, moving online. I would encourage people to push away from that. Mm-hmm. Find ways outside of being online, of getting out and engaging with people. It's, it's going to be good for you in general. It, it really is. Social skills that are lacking in development in our culture today um, 
are largely lacking because people are just living their lives at home, online, alone, secluded from everyone else. Fight against that. Fight against that for the sake of yourself, for the sake of, of your future relationships, for the sake of society. <laughs> Please fight against that and get out and be around people. At the church, in your culture, in your communities, all these things. Get out there. I agree. Yeah. All right. I got nothing else to you. I do not. This has been Empires of the Future. And we'll see you in the future.